1: Listen to cold blooded The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in LA, and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
5: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
4: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's that time of the week, folks. It is time for our listener mail segment, which we do every Thursday with your help. And as uh, as we always say, we're tremendously fortunate to have all our fellow listeners here. Uh, We have received so much interesting correspondence so much fascinating stuff and we've been in the trenches with emails and with social media. Today we're going to go to uh, some very very strange places and perhaps our first stop is going to be in the distant past which according to some folks never happened. Aha, How, how's that the setup?
5: <laughs> that's the setup at least according to you. N Mm -hmm. here we go. This message comes from N hello. I'm not sure if you've made an episode on the new chronology, but I fell down an internet rabbit hole reading about it last night and it seems right up your alley. The concept of new chronology is basically that ancient historians over the years have badly misdated certain historical events or confused two accounts of the same event to be two entirely different events, or even purposefully distorted history for the gain of various churches and monarchs. Because much of our historical knowledge going back thousands of years relies on the work of these historians, we have included their version of history in our generally accepted historical lexicon. This has artificially extended the period of written history significantly. Now, of course, this theory can be disproven in several ways, but it is extremely interesting and I can see how easy it would be to get sucked into this conspiracy. There is one theory, popularized by David Roll, that's R-O-H-L, But the theory that captivated me was proposed by Anatoly Fomenko, F-O-M-E-N-K-O. Some estimates say that as many as 30% of Russians believe Fomenko's theory to be at least partially true. And I'll try to explain the nuts and bolts of it, but it's almost too confusing to explain this way. (laughs) So, first of all, before we jump in, guys, uh, N is hitting on something that we have talked about in the past. We covered phantom time theory, which is a whole separate thing, but it's very similar, I would say, Ben, wouldn't you?
4: Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, these two guys, Illig, who is the progenitor of phantom time, was actually born around the same time as Fomenko. These ideas are kind of a Coke and Pepsi of fringe hmm. archaeology, in that they have a lot, uh, they have the same great taste, but their adherence, uh, their adherents maintain they are very different.
6: But like, parallel thinking, right? I mean, not like they collaborated anyway, or even aware of each other?
5: Uh, I don't know about that, yeah. but I, I, do, I do know that these theories, these, these things came out roughly around the same time as Ben is saying, and I don't know much about Roll yet, I haven't looked into that RC Cola of this equation. And there but, we go, uh, the cheer wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they did come about around the same time. And, and it is like, it, it isn't even necessarily parallel thinking, Noel. I think it's more of analyzing what exists, what, what actual written records exist for the time periods that these guys are looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's jump back through here. I guess we can just say Phantom Time is the concept that the Middle Ages didn't necessarily exist the way that it's that it supposedly occurred. The yeah. years, what is it, um, AD six fourteen to nine eleven, were just fabricated. This is Phantom Time. These yeah. nothing happened in those years because they didn't exist. But stories mm. were made up to fill that space. Essentially, Charlemagne
4: that's what the- is Charlemagne is fan fiction. That's that's the takeaway of Phantom Time. A little less than three hundred years. Never happened so this mm-hmm. is
6: this is a definite conspiracy theory. This is like bordering on like Holocaust denial or something like that, maybe a little less extreme, but but they're essentially saying no, pay no attention to those artifacts you know evidence of, of that time is that is that
4: right they're they're doing some interesting stuff, so they do differ in their methods. Uh, the idea here is often based on not just a lack of written records but also discrepancies in calendars and Mm -hmm. uh, compare, contrast of different dynasties of rulers. Fomenko's a little different because he actually uses uh, statistics to try and correlate or prove his point. These would be uh, mainstream historians and archaeologists would consider this pseudo-history or pseudo-archaeology, but it's a a fascinating concept because one of the big arguments, uh, one of the strangest things about it is, These guys are right in that there is a paucity of written record the further back you go in time. And that's just because, you know, time eats all things. Sure. Yeah. Not to sound too true detective about it.
5: Mm. No. Well, perfectly true detective, I would say. Uh, (laughs) You got to have a little true detective in everything if you want it to be interesting. Season one, at the very least. Hey. Mm. They season three, was fine. So hard with season season three was fine. Season, season three was, my, was fine. Season
6: yeah. two was Wasn't my cup of tea. Season two uh, was on my cup of
5: tea. But, no, well, I see what you're saying,
6: though. Four. I see what you're saying, though. I mean, but aren't those also considered, like, the Dark Ages, kind of, where there wasn't a lot of emphasis placed on historical record and, and uh, <laughs> writing and, you know, um, intelligence?
4: Well, the big difference here is, so, New so new chronology is a little more extreme maybe than phantom time phantom time specifies uh uh, like three centuries thereabouts in the ad's or the common era that never actually happened as matt said 614 to 911 but new chronology essentially says okay we know History is mostly accurate to about 1600 A.D. or C.E. After that, says Flamenco, it's all it's all malarkey, as uh, President Biden would say. Yes.
5: yes. So if you want to learn more about Phantom Time, you can go to the old How Stuff Works YouTube channel and find it. It's called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know-Phantom Dash Time. And you can also find that at other places, but that's the one that has a million views, guys. I'm so proud of us. You <laughs> should be. Should be. Um, uh, but if you want to learn more about Fomenko's theories, you can buy his books. There are seven volumes, and they're like six hundred, seven hundred pages long each.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want to be clear. I have I have not actually read. Of Fomenko's work, I have read. I've read reviews of it. I have read mm-hmm. su- the words from supporters, and of course, words from uh, people who don't agree with him. But maybe, maybe I should give it a shot. Maybe I should come back after I've read. All seven volumes of history, colon, fiction or science.
5: That's right. There's seven volumes. It'll take up a whole space in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's jump back to N really quickly because N does try and lay some of this out for us. And let's just see where we get with what N says and maybe continue on. Maybe this is a whole episode in the future. Mm-hmm. We so shall we get see.
4: To- I, I think, I think, spoiler alert, I think we're going to get to one of the big problems of Fomenko here in, in your letter N, and it's it's something mm-hmm. I clocked as well.
5: Yes. Now, N says, Fomenko's theory hinges on archaeo, should that be astrology maybe? The practice of dating archaeological events such as eclipses and comparing them to recorded historical events?
4: I believe it's archaeoastronomy.
5: Yes, archaeoastronomy. Uh, I've never heard of that. That's... That's great. Hopefully that's real. <laughs> I'm trusting you, Ben. Um, and says, this guy also did some statistical analysis comparing timelines of different empires, trying to argue they are actually accounts of the same empire. Fomenko believes that the historical Jesus Christ was born in Crete in 1180 AD. That's a little different. Then what is, you know, believed, at least according to the record, the official one that's in the Vatican, and he was crucified in Constantinople roughly 30 years later. Many of the historical cities and empires are actually different names for the same empires and written history only goes back to about 800 A.D., And says the timeline was extremely messed up due to a combination of mistakes with early historians, historians filling in the blanks of historical periods with modern context, confusion between the names of empires in different languages and purposeful rewriting of history by the Roman Catholic Church to retroactively make events in the Bible appear to have occurred. Now that is interesting. That is motive, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're looking into this,
4: and and, and in uh, Flamenco's defense, the Catholic Church had no problem sort of reimagining and uh, directors cutting the past.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: As we as talked like about this before, controllers yep. of literacy for quite a long time.
5: There you go. Let's continue with N here. Uh, it's been mostly discredited, I'm assuming, from series, though it has never gained much traction outside of Russia. He's been accused of ignoring historical and astrological events that don't fit his timeline. He also believes a lot of this history was rewritten to erase any record of a great Russian empire, so there is a nationalistic aspect to it as well. Ding, ding, I, ding. Right? And that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. It makes Russians more prone to believing the story, according to N. And says, ultimately, it's extremely interesting. And while it's mostly wrong, I think it brings up a great point. Much of known history is based on the works of ancient historians. I'm sure that many events have been misdated or altered based on what was modern context at the time these histories are compiled. Obviously, through things like carbon dating, we can get a decent idea. But it's still important to remember much of history is just an educated guess based on the educated guesses of civilizations before
4: us. Mm. Man. Well, there's, there is another aspect here that I think, and you would, you would agree with when I say this. A lot of this is not just a matter of educated guesses, but a lot of it is purposeful misinformation. Um, For Mm. instance, historical records that were written by the enemies of a certain civilization, a certain culture, or a certain group. Uh, We're going to run into this in an upcoming episode about spoiler alert, quote unquote, witchcraft. Mm Hmm.
5: No spoilers. Like you said, I'm so excited about that one. Okay. Um, well, hey, I just want to tell everybody, if you duck, duck, go this uh, this person, this author and historian or theorist, you will find. an all that is interesting, all that's interesting.com article that is pretty good at laying out a few of the basics. You will find an extensive, extensive Wikipedia page that has some pretty great links at the bottom, which I would highly recommend you checking out. Much of them uh, have to be translated via Google. We like Google Translate here.
4: It's so yeah, we we sure do not know. Yeah.
5: Let's see. Although they know what we're looking at then, right?
4: Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. No, the alphabet already knows. <laughs> alphabet one? already knows what, what you're looking at. And their big thing alphabet wants to do now is to predict what you'll look at in the future. Yeah. So they can rewrite history. With, wait. Uh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> But but down there, you'll find all kinds of interesting things. And I would also highly recommend archive.org because you can find the first book. I don't know if it is the complete book. Actually, it looks like it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find at least the first book in its entirety. That's where you can really get into Jesus and whether or not he was, you know, born at some time around 0 or in 1153.
4: You know, it's interesting. I've read I can't remember where I've read this and I will I will and if you want an episode on this, I I I will bite the bullet. I'll read the books and we can no. we can do a full episode <laughs> on on this particular type of revisionism, but um I read somewhere you know, th- about the amount of people who were claiming to be the Messiah or somehow messianic during the time of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. And oh, it was like hundreds of people. I was I was about to say, I can imagine,
6: you know, it's almost like a uh, copycat serial killers or something like that, you know, <laughs> only uh, maybe a little less grim, but sure. Uh, with their, I mean, people nearby having heard tell, It'd be hard to confirm who the actual real one was, and maybe someone was hoping they could slide by and get some fringe benefits just by claiming to be the Messiah for a minute. I'm sure it was Ooh. a pretty common flex,
4: or they mm. believed in it. You know, they oh, that really too. Believed they that were too. Messiah.
6: See, I was looking at it more as a Larry David kind of way of like getting like a free lunch. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I mean, I bet there was an even mix of those folks. It's just a very mm-hmm. human tendency. Uh, look at, like, name a cult whose charismatic leader does not at some point say, oh, also, I am the Messiah. Like people just kind of build themselves to that position. I mean, this is not any in any way a denigration of religious beliefs. It's just important to note that there is a lot of debate about the historical Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and it's pretty accepted that there were other i don't want to call them competitors but there were other um other individuals who were claiming similar things at the time mm-hmm. for, oh, yeah. for free lunch or for personal conviction 100
5: there was this wizard that was hanging out in Christchurch. you should have heard the things he was saying <laughs> about the new chronology <laughs> oh, i'm just joking <laughs> call back okay <laughs>
6: is that a call back to listener mail that i missed 'Cause about the wizard they fired their wizard in New Zealand. Is that is that they I heard, did. I heard about the story. They did. What did. a cool what a cool thing to have in the first place and then to, to be able to turn around and fire. Uh, they're just kinda like, oh, we're gonna go in like a slightly different direction, I think. Um
5: I have a feeling that dude and his ladder are not going anywhere. But though he may not mm-hmm. get on the ladder as much anymore.
4: He's just getting uh, sixteen grand less a year. That's what's happening. Or ten uh, yeah. grand US.
5: There you go. <laughs> all right. Well that's it for now. We're we'll definitely look more into this. There's all kinds of stuff to look up. Have fun doing your own research. It is a rabbit hole, as Ann said, that you can go down. Just be careful and don't purchase seven giant books if you can
4: help it. It's due diligence, man. It's a work expense <laughs> at this point. Don't, just I just
5: don't want I don't want you to have so much phantom time in your life inside <laughs> those books. You would right. get trapped in those books. All right. <laughs> Thank you again, N, for writing in. We'll be right back with more messages from you.
0: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires.
2: Call 800 333 kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded... The apollo jim murders i'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter billy Halper.
7: she's doing shame you know that they took him from us
1: experience this investigation in a truly unique way knocking on doors uncovering new evidence including the dna of a potential killer
2: uh, my name is danny smith i'm a detective uh, with mayor police department this is scott weinberger
6: And we're back with more messages from you. Uh, and I found a message from one particular you who goes by the handle So Majesty. Uh it is a code name specifically. Um and the subject of this uh communication is mythological omniglot. That's a question mark and an exclamation mark sound that I hopefully I, I just intoned. Uh but here it goes. Hello. I have been puzzling over something for a while, and I thought you might have an opinion or some insight into this concept. As humans, we have continuously written and rewritten the same characters and stories and themes literally forever, with one notable exception, Santa. Okay, stay with me. The singular mythological character who can effortlessly and instantly speak the language of any person he encounters, including sign language, is Santa Claus. Why? It seems like such an important and powerful superpower to give a character that I don't even believe Jesus was set to have. I was able to find various characters with what I would have called some kind of ESP, not the explicit ability to communicate in the language of the person they encounter. My 11-year-old son had suggested the Seder as a character with a similar skill set, but not to quite the same extent. Uh, seems like a pretty badass skill, and I can't believe it isn't in more myths, ancient or modern. Uh, when I think of biblical references to unifying language, of course, the story of Babel uh, comes to mind. Or Babel, I think it's, I've heard it both ways. Um, that story shows the ability to freely communicate with anyone as a bad, even dangerous thing. Uh, so if, for argument's sake, we say that the Bible gives the mythological omniglot a big thumbs down, Why does it then turn up in a myth where the character with that gift is an embodiment of parental love? The communication gift that Santa has is presented as wonderful and loving. He was inclusive before that was even a thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic, both if I'm missing some obvious examples or if you notice the same trend I did. I am a seamstress and spend hours and hours working while sewing and listening to your podcast. My code name is Sew Majesty Love the Show. Um, okay, this is awesome. Wonderful, yeah. This is so fun uh, for for mm-hmm. several reasons. Also, it plays nicely with what we were just talking about, and then and, and the uh, importance of Google Translate, which kind of almost is that modern superpower. Uh, if you mm-hmm. are able to just kind of like cast aside the. Um, any notions of being able to blend in and, and, and be like an insider all the time. Um, I actually I just came back from my first international trip uh, since I was a very, very small child and obviously when that was the case uh, Google Translate was not a thing but I had quite a few conversations just passing the magic box back and forth where you can literally press a button, speak into it and mm-hmm. you know, rinse and repeat. And while it's not perfect, you can absolutely um, communicate and get the right ideas across and have a perfectly pleasant conversation uh-huh. that, that benefits uh, both, both parties. Um, did you
4: use the camera function? The camera function I, is awesome as long as you eschew any ideas of privacy.
6: Sure. You mean like for taking a picture of like text, like on a, on a menu uh-huh. or something like that?
4: Yeah. Do I, it did, in real I didn't. Time.
6: I didn't even know that was a thing, but, but next time. But the microphone function was really fun. Um, I, I mentioned this on our group chat before we joined. Uh, it shows maybe like how. You know, results may vary, but I had one conversation where I was passing the thing back and forth quite a few times before I realized that this gentleman was trying to sell me drugs. Um, And uh, I I promptly uh, said, no, no, thank you. And and moved on. Um, But it was pretty cool and magical to be able to I tried my best to. Use what little skills I had to, at the very least, ask people if they could speak English um, and, and, you know, do a greeting. And then that usually put people in my corner. But it really came in handy where there would be some stumbling blocks. Most people in France speak English pretty well, which really makes you realize how privileged we are as Americans that we sort of take foreign languages almost as a lark in school. But there, they take it very, very seriously, Um, probably because of their proximity to, you know, the United Kingdom and just knowing that business will ultimately – require them one day to have some basic understanding of English. Whereas here we just assume that we're the king of the jungle. So we don't really, you know, put quite as much importance on it, but uh, it really made me kind of hit that home for me. But the idea of Santa as being this Omniglot, I think that in and of itself hit me. hit interestingly for me, is it because he can translate all the letters that he gets Like, uh, I always presume that maybe he had elves of different nationalities that were doing that for him that he recruited from across the land. Um, You know, the idea that he can speak to whomever he encounters in whatever language works for them. To me, it seems a little odd because isn't Santa not supposed to be discovered? I mean,
5: if if he meets the kid, then doesn't
6: hasn't he sort of screwed up in some
5: way? And
4: and like the Krampus with you. right?
5: Santa is in every shopping center across the land.
4: Malls aren't and, around anymore.
5: And that Santa, depending on where Santa is, speaks <laughs> uh-huh. that language, right? Santa well, so uh, is a
4: multiversal entity. I, like I was about it. to say. <laughs> he's also, able, he's also yeah. able to exist
6: in many, many places Ooh. at the same time while being able to speak all of those languages. He he is. Uh,
4: yeah. Yeah. I've got this image right now. It's breaking my Grinch heart. You guys, everybody, fellow conspiracy realist, Matt, Noel, Doc. With all the shopping malls abandoned nowadays, mm-hmm. picture, if you will, just lone Santas in their fortresses of capitalist solitude, waiting for a kid to come in and just ask for anything. I don't know if that's a Christmas story or if it's a horror story, but I'm I'm going to write it. I'll send oh it. Oh my around. god!
5: No, it's a horror story, Ben. Imagine you guys. <laughs> Some urban explorers find an, an old mall, and they're looking through this cavernous area. It's huge. It's, it's like a Mall of Georgia this. size. I love this. It's all, there's nothing in there. There's no life. Well, it's, it's a what a you call it. It's yeah. a dead mall.
4: It's, it's a, a dead, dead yes. mall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the distance, the,
5: you hear a, oh, oh, oh. No, dude, no, dude. Oh, oh, oh. At the very center of the mall,
4: yes. there's just a
5: Santa sitting there waiting for you. That's what just I see with like, for one <laughs>
4: flickering light. You know, I like the ho-ho-ho, but it, the dark it, it, heart of them all, right? It
6: could, it could also be like you have the conversation and you talk to Santa and then you you come back later. You want to you want to tell people about this experience you've had and you mm. bring them back and it's just a decayed skeleton wrapped in like a, a dingy red suit and it was like the encounter was all in your head or it was just the ghost of Santa that only talked to you. That's uh, sort of right. like the, uh, the, the, the red ribbon comes off and the girl's head mm. falls off, punchline to the story kind of, you know?
4: Yeah, everybody forget what we just said, uh, I think that's going to be something like that. Spoiler it could be our uh, end of the year special, but this, oh these God. are all interesting questions, and, and you no, know, we were talking about this a little bit off air, um, so Majesty, I think you'll enjoy this, we, we were familiar with some of these ideas due in part to some, um, some research for a different project, but the idea of language and literacy as a power as being yes. omniglottal as a power is actually a godlike power across various cultures. And uh, Santa Claus, as understood, does have roots in pre Christian existing belief systems. Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know where we want to go with this, but Noah, you and I were going back and forth on examples of things like trickster gods. Trickster gods That's love right. talking to everyone. Yeah, there's
6: there's a really good Reddit thread, actually. um, Which gods had the canon ability to speak every language? Uh, And and many of them are African. Um, Mm -hmm. There's uh, Ishu from the Yoruba culture, uh, Coyote from the Lakota culture, and Iktome, the Spider-Man, also from the Lakota culture. Uh, And Ben, you mentioned one from ancient Egypt that um, has sort of a magical, uh, uh, what's the word, future-seeing prop that
4: he kind of uses. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Toth. Uh, Toth, I think, is also uh, known for not just having the ability to speak and understand all mortal tongues, but uh, Toth also has, (laughs) I like that you called it a prop. Toth also has something Promethean about himself. He's able to allow human beings to read his book, his magical book. And when they read that, they can understand the language of animals, mm-hmm. which apparently are monolingual, and they can also understand divine languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's you know we're talking folklore here, but it's it's fascinating, isn't it? How how powerful uh, the ability to speak and understand was in a- ancient civilizations, some of which had absolutely no contact with each other. All sure. were thinking the same thing.
6: Trying to answer the same questions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and Ben, you and I recently did an episode um, of Ridiculous History about the King of Scotland's experiments with language, (laughs) where he did some really (laughs) shady, uh, really shady um, experiment, unethical, that would not fly today, where he took two infants, uh, shipped them to this island, uh, and had them raised by deaf mute nursemaids Mm -hmm. to see if they would come up with the quote unquote language of the gods or like the natural language. Matt, um, are you familiar with the myth of the Tower of, of Babel? We talked about that in the, in the email. But um, the idea that like, language is a power and that God kind of, um, he turned it all on its head when he found out that everyone was speaking a common language. And that's when they all kind of like, couldn't work together anymore and dispersed. And that's what created the kind of great migration of, of, of culture. Uh, is that how you understand that story, Matt? I have no idea. I want to learn more. I, I only just started looking into it because of this email, but that's sort of how I understand it. Um, it's obviously a, a myth, like a cre- creation myth, you know, about how, where language came from. But it's obviously been something that's been on the minds of uh, of, of human beings, you know, for thousands and thousands of years. Um, the King James story was paralleled with an Egyptian ruler that did something mm-hmm. very similar. Yep. And another one even that I think was from uh, an Asian country. I can't recall exactly the name of the uh, or the country of origin of the third uh, attempt at this type of experiment. But it's it was almost like
5: they're made up stories. It's hey, almost Ray. like, hey. Well.
4: hey, watch it, guys. Fiction, and fact, don't have as clear of a border as as we would all like to expect. I mean, the Tower of Babel actually is probably inspired by a much, much older myth from Samaria. It's called like, in Merkur and the Lord of Arata, A-R-A-T-T-A. So this, you're right, this idea, um, these myths are all created to explain a very basic question that people still struggle with today, which is, Why do languages tend to fragment and tend to become new things instead of, especially now in an age of global communication, why isn't everybody, you know, speaking Esperanto? And every attempt to make a manufactured language has um, been ambitious and noble in its intentions but maybe not so much in its um, success.
6: Well, y'all will both recall, uh, and we we can wrap it up with this, one of the precepts on the Georgia Guidestones is something to do with creating a living language, you know, which could be seen as, in the interpretation of those precepts, in that kind of creepy New World Order, um, uh, you know, eliminating a portion of the population kind mm. of way uh, mm. as sinister in some way, um, in the same way that maybe the Tower of Babel story, uh, you know, points to the idea of maybe this is not something that anybody should have. You know, there, there should be differences that, that separate us in that way. Otherwise, uh, some, some bad things could happen. I don't know. I was always interested in that one, um, how it kind of tied into the one world
4: governments, you know, one living mm. language um all that stuff mm-hmm. rc christian i mean with uh, as far as pseudonyms mm-hmm. go that's right mm-hmm. up there with dr alucard or something yes, you know exactly
6: or dr acula dr you know?
4: acula uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry alucard good. is is a different dude he's a yeah. chiropractor he's Indeed. a captain <laughs> captain captain alucard but yeah this is fascinating this makes me um this makes me want to go back and reread all the uh all the stories of mythology that we've we've just mentioned. But um, you are absolutely right, So Majesty. Uh, I hope you tune in for one of our upcoming episodes where we're going to discuss some of these mythological evolutions. And our pal Santa uh, does play a role. Noel, I do have to say that I always suspected uh, Santa Claus was for Santa Claus is the first conspiracy theory that most children in the West learn. I always suspected he was taking credit for a lot of hard work on the elves' parts. You know, he's, he's kind of doing the face oh, thing. It's like a...
6: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it always struck me as maybe there is some uh, foul play afoot. Like, uh, perhaps those elves weren't as jolly and happy and uh, well-treated as maybe one might think. Um, you yeah, know, I don't know. Maybe uh, a little bit of... Secret slave labor going on there. Just, 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 just my two cents. Just, just. Power to cents. the elves! Yes, agreed. Rise up, elves! Um, but with that, I think we could take another quick sponsor break, and then come back with one more letter from
1: you. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
4: and we've returned the obsession with your ghost stories your personal experiences of the paranormal continue doc hit us with that sound cue that's right it's it's the most wonderful time of the year so we're gonna we're gonna share just a couple and we're gonna saunter through these to fully experience we're gonna stop and pose our own questions and have a conversation about this Lizzie, you wrote a story that uh, I know, Matt, captivated both of us. And here is your story. In part, we want to share this with you because, uh, first, it's very well written. And secondly, it is so cinematic. And we want to hear if anybody else has had a similar experience. Hopefully not, because this is scary stuff. Lizzie says, Hello, my name is Lizzie. Gives her Twitter handle OOMEP. Says, I recently tagged you regarding an exorcism story that I was eager to share. My close friend recently disclosed that his mother and grandmother once went to the exorcism of their relative back when they lived in Sri Lanka. Here are the details. The possessed family member, that was in air quotes, was a woman who got into these fits where she did crazy things like grab a person's hand, read their palm and reveal secrets about them and their life, like the exact way the people close to them had died, even if they had never met. She would speak in, get this, null, different languages of which she had no prior knowledge. When she spoke, you could hear conversations playing out between the multiple inhuman voices coming from her with each voice appearing to have its own rank. When she was in these violent fits, she would end up smashing things, hurting herself into others, and multiple men together could not control her. Her condition got to the point where people sought her out for readings. The little church they visited was dedicated to exorcisms tucked away in a forest where my friend's mom, grandma, and aunties witnessed this woman curl herself into a circle and roll herself up the hill upon which the church stood at the actual exorcism. On the church grounds, these multiple terrifying voices uh, emanated from her, and the priest asked if they were going to leave her body. One of the voices said yes
7: Ooh. and the priest
4: and the priest said that he needed a sign they had left. The woman then points toward a tree which cracks at the base and falls down. She falls over and collapses, but after she wakes up, she is fine and has no further issues and Lizzie goes on to say that Uh, Their friend is a skeptic of the supernatural, believes there are non-supernatural ways to explain everything that occurred except for the tree falling down. This might be my favorite part of the letter, Lizzie, because you say it left him stumped. (laughs) And we're we're both startled by the weight and seriousness of this story as it comes from his mother and grandmother, two people who seemingly lack a motive to fabricate or exaggerate the story. And Lizzie says... In contrast, uh, I am in a mild state of terror and am ready to believe she was possessed. What do you guys think? That's one of the, I don't want to say most haunting, but that is a captivating story.
5: Oh, yeah. I, I just want to go back to the image that stuck in my mind when I read it, Ben. We talked about this. That first thing that Lizzie describes, someone... uh Uh, just in a a state where they have to tell someone's fortune, they have to scry for somebody, they have to read the palm and then tell you this important message about the way you're going to die or how, you know, someone that died before that needs to give you a message, something about it being so urgent really creeps me out because it's as, it's as though whatever, you know, if there is something inside of her, whatever it is desperately needs to communicate. Um, I don't know. That, that really just stuck with me.
4: And it seems like it's also never good news, hmm. right? They're not, they're not predicting um, fortunes or indicating where to find a, a lost cache of treasure mm-hmm. or money or sentimental valuables. It's, it's strange because this is something that if you are a more skeptical person, like the friend mentioned in the story, there's a lot of this that can be dismissed. And at the very end, you can just say, well, maybe the tree thing got exaggerated through the game of telephone that is oral communication over time, or maybe it was just a coincidence. You know, there's a lot we don't know about that tree. How old was it? Was it diseased, et cetera? These are mundane questions, but I cannot wait to hear more possession stories and also Uh, Also, Lizzie, uh, glad to hear that the family ultimately was okay, because in the most infamous cases of alleged possession, however you want to explain it, it often leaves lifetime mental, sometimes physical scars on the people involved. I um, am lucky enough to have encountered a couple of, of actual exorcists in the past from various cultures and various religions. And it's kind of like how we just mentioned the commonalities between cultures in terms of like the deities we encounter or believe in the concept of exorcism and possession may differ in some of the ingredients, but you might be surprised by just how common the idea is across civilizations. Um, I don't think I've met anybody who was possessed necessarily. What about you guys?
6: No, but some of the tape from, you know, the um, paranormal investigators behind, you know, the Amityville uh, incident and all of that stuff is pretty compelling. I'm not going to lie. I know there's uh, some skepticism behind whether or not they were hucksters or not, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's hard to it's hard to ignore, you know, how some of those folks sound. You know, when they when they're speaking sort of like from another place,
4: kind of, you know, yeah. I, I have a hard time uh, reconciling them. And you're an audio expert, too. So I, I I mean, I'm just being objective here. You have a good ear to sense out something if, if there was a way to explain it readily. Um, I I just thought of this. It's not the most comforting thought, but if you think about it, we're all all of us listening now are just sort of ghost possessing ourselves right your sure. body is another haunted house
5: if if there's a separation between whatever you are and your body yes which i'm skeptical of
4: uh, Pneuma sarxoma. soma i get you man yeah it's <laughs> it's a, a very for the three people who got that reference it's a complex idea and um we had so many other stories uh, do we do we have time to share just one more a short one god yeah. please Our final piece of ghostly correspondence, today at least, this evening, comes to us from someone who has chosen to use a pseudonym, and this message, based on our previous conversations, fellows, this message spoke to me immediately. Here's how it begins. You can call me Cuban B. I tried to be brief, yes. but I'm afraid
3: I failed. Yes. <laughs>
4: My apologies. Cub- yes, Cuban, Cuban B.
6: Yes, <laughs> Cuban oh, B.
4: Oh. okay. So, uh, Cuban B has some stuff to say to us, and also um, some ideas for a show. But here is the ghost story that you wanted to share with your fellow conspiracy realist, Cuban B. In a recent episode, I heard a request for ghost stories. So in an effort to become an active participant in the conversation, I'd like to share one with you now. My mother once lived in a town home by herself. She would occasionally tell me about the odd things that occurred around the house. She said it started with hearing voices. Since she lived in a townhome, I dismissed it as noisy neighbors. Another time, she told me she woke up from a nap and saw a ring of smoke circling around her. I dismissed this as a dream or just being groggy from the nap. Then there was the time she was in her bathroom upstairs getting ready. As she tells it, she went downstairs for a few minutes and when she came back, she found the hairbrush she'd been using was missing. Naturally, she assumed she had taken it down downstairs with her and left it there by mistake. She went downstairs to look. Not finding it, she headed upstairs. According to her, when she reached the top of the stairs, she found her brush sitting on the top step. This one was a little harder to dismiss. At the time, I decided she must have just dropped it and didn't notice. Eventually, she began to believe there was a ghost haunting her house. Soon after the brush incident, she moved out. She said she just didn't feel comfortable there anymore. Now, if I can borrow a phrase from the show... "'Here's where it gets crazy. "'Years later, while going to garage sales with my mother, "'I noticed there was one at her old townhouse. "'I thought it would be fun to go check it out. "'She wasn't thrilled with the idea, but played along anyway. "'When we arrived, the current tenant said hello "'and asked how we were. "'After exchanging pleasantries, "'my mother told her that she used to live there. "'The woman sat up and stared at her in silence "'for a few seconds. "'She pulled my mother aside "'and began speaking in hushed tones.' Just like Meadow.
5: (laughs) Sorry, I tried to disable my mic.
4: We've got to keep the whole thing in. She asked my mother if she had ever experienced anything strange while living there. My mother was hesitant at first, but then began to share her experiences. The woman seemed relieved and began telling us of her own experiences. She told us about hearing voices, seeing what she described as fog, and having things go missing, only to reappear somewhere else later. In talking with her, we realized she was having the garage sale because she was moving. I can only assume it was for the same reason. I don't usually go for ghosts and hauntings, concludes Cuban B. I tend to think there's a natural explanation for these kinds of things. However, under the circumstances, I found the whole thing a little unsettling. Not sure what to make of it. I'd enjoy hearing what you guys think of this. So, where are you guys?
5: Well, I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) There there is a, a trickster hanging out around those townhouses this trickster is young probably just started smoking for the first time and uh sneaks into other people's houses and <laughs> smokes smokes in their in their <laughs> rooms uh and then leaves pick, and they, this person has longer than usual hair really needs hairbrushes a lot uh and just uses what they can find <laughs> i'm just joking this is uh, i mean this, is I like this idea I,
4: a human because a human Uh, a human force interfering is no less unsettling, right? Do you guys remember that story uh, several years ago about the guy in Japan who found food was going missing from his refrigerator and he lived by himself? Or so he thought, he got a closed circuit camera and he, he found that there was an elderly person who was hiding in his top closet and like sneaking out to nibble at food you guys remember that story? Yes.
5: I also remember one where somebody was living in the attic, like legitimately living in the attic, doing the same thing. Uh, Another, This has happened more than it should.
4: Yeah. Everybody, check your crawl spaces. Check your attics. Check the closets. You know what I mean? Uh, Just because you might feel a little paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong. We just ruined so many people's Thursday night. (laughs) If they're listening to this when it comes out.
5: I'm going into my attic right after we finish
4: recording. Yes. Yes. Uh, Also, there's um, going back to our earlier conversation, there are some uh, guides for how to navigate in a non human trickster in mythology, right? I believe it's very popular in some European folklore to leave like a saucer of milk out, right? Or to, um, there's something about which way you're supposed to put your shoes uh, at at night. Uh, There are different things you can do. I I don't know. We mentioned before the idea of talking or attempting to uh, somehow communicate with an entity, and we had a pretty in-depth conversation about it off-air recently. But I got to say, as someone who, um, I think maybe we all fall on the more forensic, slightly more skeptical side sometimes, um, but as an individual holding that viewpoint, I would also move. You know what I mean? If you're paying rent, if you're paying a mortgage for a yeah. haunted place, I don't know. Some well, people would pay extra.
5: I was gonna say, yeah, you move or you start a YouTube channel, and <laughs> right. you know, yeah. just like <laughs> me, it's just called the Fog and Me, and uh, mm-hmm. just hanging out,
6: like just dabbing each other, like, like braiding each other's hair,
5: kind of <laughs> yeah, talk, talking about Judy Bloom
4: books, you <laughs> know, mm-hmm. like a Wej yeah. Q and A. I love you know, that. What,
5: a- at least we know it's not a gin because of the
4: smoke, right? That's right. The jinn are created from smokeless fire. Yeah. And I don't know why that always seems so cool. That's like one of the coolest creation stories, but... Uh, Speaking of stories, thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. Uh, We have a wealth of fantastic, spooky stories. And you might be surprised, Lizzie and Cuban B, (laughs) to to know how many people are taking the same approach that you have taken, trying to explain these things uh, through the power of critical thinking and then finding that at some point, It's very difficult to have an explanation that can address 100% of what you or your loved ones have experienced. So take a page from their book, write to us, call us, find us online. We cannot wait to hear from you. That's right. You can find us online, as Ben said,
6: on all the internet leap places of note. We are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, and we are on Twitter at the handle Conspiracy Stuff. You can also find us on Instagram at the handle Conspiracy Stuff Show. Uh, if you wish, you can also find us as individual human people uh, on various places on the internet. I am exclusively on Instagram at How Now Noel Brown.
5: Yes, he is.
6: Matt you're, you're you're at Cuban B, correct?
5: Yes, at Cuban B. grateful <laughs> for you. Uh, that's the whole title of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you don't want to do that so if you don't want to use social media, well Ben, do you have social media and Instagram?
4: Uh, you can find my current online identity at ben Bullen B-O-W-L-I-N, on Instagram or at Ben Bullen HSw on Twitter. The real ones know why.
5: That's right. And the the fake ones are confused. No, it's, no, it's a phantom
4: tweet hypothesis. It's, That's right. It's the new Twitter chronology. It's the new timeline chronology. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Matt. Uh, sometimes social media isn't for everybody. So what, pray tell? Should our fellow conspiracy realists do if they don't sip the social meds if they have become media teetotalers?
5: Then you use your mouth and your phone to contact us in an ancient fingers. fashion. You
4: got to use
6: your fingers, your phone and your mouth in that you order. Could,
5: you could use your mouth to operate your phone, right? Hold on. Let me see. I've seen it. Nope. Why does it have to be fingers? What the heck? I can't well, use my you face. Could, you, you
6: could poke it with a stick. There's, there's any number of ways to <laughs> enter the digits that you are about to uh, to bless us with. All
5: right. So you enter one S T D W is our number. You will hear Ben. You will hear a message to leave one. And once you do, you've got three minutes. Say whatever you want. Please give yourself a cool nickname. We very much would like that. Um, say anything you want to. If you've got too much to say or you want to add links or any other information that you can't get to us through your voice, send it instead through your words. You can reach us at our email. We are
4: conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Conspiracy at
5: Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level.